when it came time to launch the brand and launch the product, I was like, I just want to show people how this is different from an existing blush, anything that's existing in that category. So just by doing a here's powder blush versus liquid blush, that just started going viral. Yeah, actually it was customers that started posting about it. They would buy it and they would post about it. And then that started picking up and going viral. And I think it's just a product that was just so meant for TikTok and short form video that it's done really well. I think within our first year, I think it hit like something like 50 million views. This is Nigel Thomas. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the Ecom Alphas podcast. So here's a myth which today's guest is going to debunk, and that is that there is not a science to going viral on social media. Now, Fiona is the CEO and founder of an amazing brand called Euthoria, and she started it in the middle of the pandemic when all the market conditions were crazy in Hong Kong. And she started creating these viral videos on TikTok and really understood the science behind doing it. And she breaks it down. She talks about how she uses the platform and she's got a real competitive advantage of the way she understands, the way she does her due diligence and understands different audience insights. And then obviously from that, she's managed to take that attention but build a community and build a brand around it, which is a whole nother skill set in itself. But just the science of going viral, I think is so important because I really do believe it's a thing. So you're going to learn a lot on this episode, especially about the TikTok platform. In February, across a billion users, it's somewhere where you can get some cheap attention and it's somewhere that's full of a new market of people. So definitely listen to this, take tips, Fiona's a fantastic person. It was honestly one of my favorite episodes. So without further ado, we're going to get straight in. I just ask, if you do enjoy it, please share it with a friend. We are wanting to really grow this podcast and put more effort into it. I appreciate all the support and the time that you take to listen to it today. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak about, obviously, what you're doing in this space, Fiona. And I'm really excited to have you on today. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, super excited to chat today. No worries. So most brands had real issues in the pandemic. Now you actually launched the pandemic, which is pretty crazy considering the amount of success that you've had in this short space of time. So it would be great. Sure, we can dive more into the backstory, but actually why you decided to launch this brand and what was going on at that time. And I believe you're in Hong Kong, if I'm right in saying yeah. So when the pandemic hit, I was actually in Asia and kind of decided, you know what, I'm not going to get back on a plane. So ended up getting stuck in Asia, in Hong Kong in 2020. And really that first week of the pandemic, I think it was just like the inability to go out and see people that I realized that makeup is really about putting it on because you're going to have a good time with your friends. You're going to see people. And I'm someone who honestly, just one sip of wine, I'm going to go and fall asleep in my makeup. And it is like the number one thing you're told not to do. So I really wanted to create makeup that you can sleep in, did not come into the beauty industry with any experience, but it was always something that I really wanted. And it was something that no one else was doing. And I think it was just, you know, I had a lot of free time and got the chance to really explore more about ingredients and how these products were made. And it just became a huge like passion project of mine. 
And if for anyone who doesn't know about your products and what Euphoria has been doing in the market, how would you explain to someone who doesn't know and obviously who it's for and why you're different in the space, Fiona? So at Euphoria, we make makeup that you can sleep in. I test all of our products by sleeping in it. I also make my husband sleep in these products too. And what we're really trying to do is make true skincare makeup hybrids. Like up until this point, makeup has always been on one aisle and skincare has been on the other aisle. Like you would use makeup to cover up blemishes or, you know, add really nice colors to your skin. And skincare was all you, was where you got all your benefits. What we do differently is we combine the two. So your makeup truly acting as something that can improve your skin, really having those true skincare benefits. And we do this by combining just luxurious texturing ingredients with skincare actives at the functional level. What we do differently is we formulate in a bio-based way. And what I mean by that is most makeup is made from fossil fuels. So what we'll do instead is we will use both natural and synthetic ingredients, but we source it from a plant. Interesting. And do you believe, and this is just more out of my curiosity, Fiona, that most of the market who use those kind of products actually know where the other products come from? And have you found that challenging to potentially, you know, educate your market? Or do you see that's kind of an advantage because you talk about it? And obviously, it's core to what you guys do. I don't think it's something that most people know about. It's something I didn't know about until I was selecting ingredients for Euphoria. I didn't really know where makeup comes from or how the ingredients are made. I didn't realize that synthetic ingredients could be made from animals, plants, or fossil fuels. It's just that most synthetics on the market are made from fossil fuels. And so when I started the brand, I was like, you know, I want to use renewable ingredients. I didn't realize how difficult it was to do that. And so it's something that I do talk about. I think it always adds this really nice additional skincare benefit. But for me, it's really just, I felt, I would, I almost felt guilty if I knowingly selected fossil fuels when there was like a renewable alternative to essentially the same ingredient name. It's just something like I feel pretty passionate about in terms of just ingredient selection. And prior to obviously starting this brand, what was your experience in? I believe it was selling software. Is that right? I don't know if you had any other prior experience. Maybe it'll be interesting to hear how that, because the thing is, it's always like, obviously it's the overnight success, but when you dig into it and you look at the backstory, there's always different skill sets, different experiences that obviously you bring to the table that are unique to obviously other people in the marketplace. So I'm always curious to obviously dive into that and understand how your unique experiences have contributed to building this brand. Yeah, prior to starting Euthoria, I did, used to work in software, I used to do business development and we would sell just very complex software to data centers. And I would be traveling all over the world, travel to some of the most polluted cities in the world where data centers are. And that's when I realized, oh, my normal skincare and makeup routine just wouldn't work in those environments. I just felt on a core level, just figuring out how to reduce my environmental impact was something that I was very passionate about because it's something that you can't really feel tangibly until you're really in those environments and you're like, oh, this actually feels awful and I can feel it in my health. So when I started the brand, I was like, I just remember that experience and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't contributing to more pollution. But also if I ever had to travel to one of these cities that I could wear something that worked for me. But what I loved about working in software when I did work in software was it was, I think we would call it like a digital 
digital revolution or, or like a digital transformation. And it was just like a paradigm shift at the time. It was moving from data centers to the cloud and that had a major shift. And I kind of see it very similarly in cosmetics where, you know, up until this point, if you look at like the history of cosmetics, we see use like animals as like the main ingredient source. And then we moved into fossil fuels. And I th- really think that going into plant-based ingredients is, is a future. So that's where like the similarity, similarities lie. Interesting. And when you started out in the pandemic, the expectations that you had in terms of launching this brand and how challenging that will be and how long it took, looking back, what do you kind of now know? And again, for any founders who might also be listening, who are at the start of their journey, compared to like what your expectations were compared to what it was actually like in reality. I think prior to launching the brand, all of my expectations of how I thought the brand would launch kind of went out the window. The biggest change was the iOS update. I had launched the brand, I want to say like three weeks before the update. So I never experienced what it was like to scale a brand with Facebook ads. I don't know if it was easy, but I heard that it was a lot easier. So going into just launching the brand is always I don't know. We we always had to find a way to be authentic to build our community. There was no shortcuts. There's no silver bullets. That was pretty pretty challenging. And I will say that every couple months, you know, something happens or there's a new change. And so that has been a pretty constant. Like that, there's always change. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's interesting because obviously there was a gold rush on the Facebook side and the iOS side. And that's predominantly where we did our business. You know, we held brand scale on Facebook. And obviously right now, it's so expensive to do that. And especially for challenger brands, right at the start of their journey, it's just not economically viable a lot of the time being honest. But what's interesting is obviously that's now led to entrepreneurs like yourself finding innovative ways to scale outside of that model. And obviously you guys have this, you know, way of creating this content. And it will be great to hear and you break down. I'm kind of just going to give you the floor on this, Fiona. But on the marketing side, most people think, you know, content in terms of it going viral, it's kind of you've just got to do a lot of it and be lucky. But I know you share the philosophy, and correct me if I'm wrong, that actually there's a science to going viral. And I think I actually agree with you, by the way. I'm on that side of things. And maybe it's because I'm analytical, so I like to break that down and feel like I'm in control. But what is the science to going viral? And I know there's a lot of facets to this. And also, just before we get into that, just to confirm to the audience, it's TikTok that's been your main channel of success of growing your community. Is that right? It's mostly been TikTok, but also, you know, Instagram Reels, but it's it's just that style of content, which is short form video, very short and snappy and to the point. What I like about TikTok and that particular style of content is that you have to get your point across in like 15 seconds or less. For a while, all of our videos were like seven seconds. It's probably different now, but you have to be completely straight to the point. And what I like about kind of that Facebook ad era of scaling brands is a lot of marketers came in with a testing framework. I kind of apply those same principles when I'm making organic content and just making sure that I'm, I know what I'm testing. Pretty 
soon after, if you make enough content, you'll know what resonates with your customer. It's kind of like an old school style of like in-person selling where you're just trying to see what resonates, but you're doing this on TikTok, on video with your phone. And then in terms of the science of going viral, I always just have this philosophy that going viral is not an accident. It's something that you put effort and work into. Yes, there's lucky breaks, but if you really break down the content and why something worked, you'll you'll figure out, you know, a few elements. One of them being are your customers engaged? Are you creating new conversations? Are you creating new trends? What's really interesting about this era compared to just the era of like Facebook ads is you don't really have to copy an ad style that's working for someone else. I think it's very particular to who the creator is or who the brand account creator is. And that's something that's very freeing. You don't have to, you know, have these highly produced shoots. You don't have to do these graphics. You don't have to do like a very prescribed style of ads. You can do it in the format that feels most natural to you, but it's ultimately about engaging your audience, creating conversations and providing some value in some shape, way or form. And to get tactical and don't want to give your entire playbook away here and your secret sauce, even though I know it changes all the time. So obviously what were then probably won't be the same to what worked now. What is like the actual structure? Let's just say you're looking to sell, let's just say a new SKU comes out and you've got a new product and on the organic side, you're looking to get a piece of content going viral. If we're breaking down that 15 seconds, again, I don't know what your process is, but what would you be looking for in terms of putting this piece of content together around this new product on a tactical level? I think it would just be like analyzing if I have several different messaging points, because all of our products have like a lot of different skincare benefits, it's really about finding what would what resonates with the most customers in the shortest amount of time. So you're looking at like engagement, saves, comments, what gets people talking and what are they asking about? Sometimes, you know, you want to hop on a trend and that's really fun because you honestly never know what will happen. Like recently we had a launch for a setting spray and what was really unique about it is that it's pink and that has a really nice benefit because if you are ever tired, your skin can turn a little bit green and the pink, because it's opposite of green on the color wheel, it kind of neutralizes that, but it's a very advanced color theory type of technique. And I remember what went viral was someone asking me, is this actually pink? Like, and so I was like, okay, let's, let's hop on that trend. Let's break open bottles. And you know, that was what, what, that's what, that was what resonated with the audience. So sometimes, you know, with TikTok culture, it takes a life of its own and being reactive to providing what people are asking for, that will work. And that's, that's, what's really fun. Cause it's not really planned out. It will be like, I'll just read comments and like, oh, that's a great idea to make a video about. That's interesting because what you just said there is what I know for sure a lot of founders don't do is get that like deep into their community and spending the time to read the comments to understand obviously what the market likes and what they don't like but then not only that actually acting upon that and being creative that's interesting at the start though would you say as a founder you should be the one who goes and like creates that content or would you advise to go out there first and find content creators who might already do this? I think it's really, it really depends on the founder. If you like creating content, it's something that's really fun. Like for me, it's a creative outlet. I actually really enjoy doing it because I spend so much of my time on spreadsheets that this is my one break and I love creating things. But if you don't like creating content and you find it draining, you know, either find someone else on the team to do it for you or find a content creator. But I think it is important for your brand's account to have an authentic voice. What's great about founders is 
You know so much about your business. You can talk to pretty much every nook and cranny, every single detail, every reason why you selected this color or this ingredient or why you went pretty much any decision that went into the business you can speak to. And sometimes I even use TikTok as a way to respond to questions, like almost like customer questions, and I can just speak to it. It's very authentic in that way. Yeah, I really resonate with that. A lot, Honestly, a lot of the founders I speak to, Tiona, they ask me all the time, how do you reach out to content creators? What do you say to them? How do you make sure you keep things on brand? So off the back of what you just mentioned, is there any specific advice in terms of make, like how to build those relationships and how to make sure that person obviously creates engaging content for you? Like, How do you know? How do you figure out if that's the right person or not, not the right person? I don't think we have a science to this. I will say that we just... I DM a lot of people all the time and I love dropping voice notes. But in terms of building those relationships, like these are relationships we've been building since the brand started. I don't think there's a silver, like an easy way to shortcut building relationships. A lot of times it's just interacting and watching, watching them grow and they're watching you grow. So it feels like a friendship that you've developed on the internet. That makes sense. Just curious, so you said you were DMing a lot of people. Is that, for example, when you see someone in the comments, you go and check out their profile and then you just like there and then you DM it or do you have more of a systemized process to it? If we're on TikTok, we have to be mutually following each other. So there'll be times where I'm just following people. I'm waiting for them to follow us back. And as soon as I get that notification, I'm like, we're mutuals now. Okay. No, that makes complete sense. Yeah, it's honestly, you almost say there's not a science, but it sounds to me like you've kind of created one anyway but you've definitely got something that's working for you guys. And what was the most, maybe you already mentioned it, but what was the most viral ad that you guys actually got going on TikTok and why was that? So our most viral hit was our green color changing blush oil. So we made the world's first. And this was something where when I even tried the sample, this was in the pandemic, the only person I was interacting with was my husband. So I wanted to make a universally flattering blush. And I was like, okay, what if we made it color changing? It might work. I swatched it on him. It looked different on him. And I was like, okay, this is something really cool. Something just really magical about the experience of trying that product for the first time. When it came time to launch the brand and launch the product, I was like, I just want to show people how this is different from an existing blush, anything that's existing in that category. So just by doing a here's powder blush versus liquid blush, that just started going viral. And then customers and yeah, actually it was customers that started posting about it. They would buy it and they would post about it. And then that started picking up and going viral. And I think it's just a product that was just so meant for TikTok and short form video that it's done really well. I think within our first year, I think it hits like something like 50 million views. Wow. So it was something that was kind of took an organic life of its own. It's incredible that, isn't it? To think literally just one creative or one angle can go that viral and pretty much anyone could do it in the world. Yeah. And so like we, we were seeing even like just customers just randomly going viral. That was really, really cool to see in our early days. And the next episode with Fiona, where there's definitely some more juicy tips, let me assure you of that, is going to be coming out in a few days' time. So watch out for that. If you do enjoy it, please share it with a friend. Like I said, anyone you think will find this podcast valuable in the direct-to-consumer or marketing space, really appreciate it. Apart from that, stay true to yourself, and I'll speak to you next time.